Today we are going to embark on a profound journey into the world of love, faith and commitment. And as promised, I'll be discussing with you the intricacies of a Christian and non-Christian marriage. So stay tuned. Hello, what's up guys? Welcome to another episode with me, your host, Ambundo Kennedy. And as promised uh, that I'll be covering this topic on the Christian side. And so today is the day where I'll be talking about uh, this topic. Also, as I had promised, I'll be looking at what the Bible has to say about interfaith marriages, especially the Christians who use the Bible, and so according to them, the Bible is their book. So I'll be looking at what the Bible has to say about this also. And before that, I came across certain articles. I'll be uh, talking about them. One of them is from The Guardian, and another one is from... Uh, it's called the Anglican Media Production. It's from the Anglican Media Production, but the site itself is christianity.net.au. And first off, let me look at this uh, article by The Guardian where it's titled that What Happens When You Fall in Love Across a Re the Religious Divide? And it talks about two couples or a couple where one, the wife is a Christian and the husband is a Muslim. And they have been married according to the post which was published on, on 2017. So it, uh, the woman says they've been married for over eight years. And as at that time, they have had three kids and they say that they are living a better life or a better marriage where uh, the wife also explains that uh, sometimes her friends will come and question how are you bringing up your kids or how are you coping up with the different religions where you are a christian and your husband is a muslim but she happens to seem not bothered uh, because uh, she says that she appreciates uh, the fact that they, the two of them, her and her husband, happen to come from two different backgrounds, but they respect each other's uh, religious beliefs. And also she says that 
when she reads the Bible, they read together and also they also fast together with her husband and do what is done in, in each other's religion at some time. And that's how she and her husband have been able to cope up with the differences in the in their religion. Also, let's take a look at uh, another individual or another case where uh, on this article on christianity.net.au which belongs to the Anglican Media Production of Australia and this article they had asked a question that is it okay for a Christian to marry a Muslim and the person who responded uh, happens to be called Jennifer and she says that my answer to that is going to be a no. Uh, yeah, and also she writes and says, a Christian is someone who is saved by de the death and resurrection of Christ and who follows Jesus as Lord. We can see this book in the we can see this in the book of Romans in the New Testament. And she quotes the verse there that Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And also she says calling Jesus Lord means acknowledging him as the master of our lives. And also she goes on to now relate it in case you marry or get married to a Muslim. And I quote, although the Muslim and Christian faiths share a lot of their scriptures in common, their beliefs are fundamentally different at points where it counts. While a Muslim believes Jesus to be a prophet, they do not believe that he is God nor that he rose from the dead. This is why the Muslim belief and the Christian belief can never be compatible because they believe the opposite things about the most crucial person in the Christian religion, who is Jesus. That's how uh, Jennifer's uh, view about this interfaith marriage is. She says that because uh, a Christian believes that Jesus rose from the dead, and on the Muslim side, they believe that Jesus never died on the cross or was never crucified. So the the two, if the two got married, there will be some uh, some incompatibility there. And also, she says that a Muslim is someone who stands condemned by God because he does not believe in Jesus. And this uh, he quotes, or she quotes, John three eighteen, that whoever believes in him is not condemned. So him is talking about Jesus, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So that is John three eighteen, where Jennifer has quoted that. So. I'll leave the links to the two articles 
you can go and check at your free time and also compare and conclude also what you believe uh, is the Christian and a non-Christian marriage possible. Also, as I had uh, mentioned earlier, I'll be quoting some of the verses on the Bible where uh, it talks about a, a marriage between a Christian and a non-Christian. And in the context of the Bible, they, uh, most of the times it doesn't mention a Christian, but because Christians adopted the Bible as their book, so let's just go with that uh, assumption that uh, it is talking about a Christian. So a Christian is someone who follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. And yeah, so the first one is, I'll quote Corinthians. And as you know, Corinthians was written by Paul, where some faiths also, as at times they, they argue about the teachings of Paul, but let me quote uh, this. Uh, so First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13, and it says, uh, If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. So according to this uh, teaching or the yeah the teaching of Paul, Paul says that if if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, so Paul encourages uh, that type of marriage between a believer and an unbeliever, and because. If you continue also, you'll find the reason. And one of it is that uh, if if the two marry, the believer will happen to save the unbeliever in the end because uh, the believer might convert the believer into being able to believe also. Yeah. And also there are other other books I may quote and also when we look at in the Old Testament where you find that when after the Israelites had come back from slavery in Babylon you happen that you happen to find that some Israelites intermingled or intermarried with the the people from the people uh, who had resided there, like the Moabites and the likes. So a prophet called Nehemiah happened to, it was during the construction of the temple of God, uh, Jerusalem. So Nehemiah, who was uh, in charge of the construction of the, or the re rebuilding of Jerusalem, came and then he found that, or he discovered a certain, a certain uh, group of people talking in other language instead of the language in which their fathers come from, uh, which is Judaism. So they were supposed to speak the language of the Israelites. Uh, in this case, it could be Hebrew or, or the Jewish language. 
Yeah. So you can find this story also uh, on Nehemiah 13. You can read that chapter where this uh, this happens and Nehemiah is uh, furious about this and so he he got angry and at time he even he gathered or he gathered the group of Israelites and cautioned them against intermarrying with the 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 tribes that they had found there and this was to protect the culture of the Israelites and also their language from from vanishing on the face of the earth and I think also this is one of the main reasons why the Muslims will not allow uh, the woman to get married to someone who's not a Muslim however there are different interpretations where you find that uh, they are calling us the people of the book who are the Jews and the Christians. And at times also you often find that uh, it is talking about the believer and an unbeliever. So uh, those two could be clashing. However, you, you, you see that in the Old Testament here in the Bible, in the past, uh, the reason why it was prohibited for uh, such intermarriage to continue. It was, and you can find in the book of Nehemiah 13, where one of the reasons he is furious is because uh, a certain person or the children of the people who had intermarried, they can't even speak half of their language. They only speak foreign languages. And so Nehemiah got furious because this was like committing suicide to the tribe or the tribe's language. So if you happen to intermarry, you should ensure that uh, you take this also into consideration. The child, if it's the father, because if, uh, the child is born and the child will inherit the name of the father and where the father comes from, that's where the child belongs. And so the child should speak the language of his father or their tribe. Yeah. However, you find that uh, many intermarriages, like here in Kenya, if you, uh, mostly in the past it used to be, if you had married, let's say, Luo, a Luo, a Luo woman, and uh, they are mostly known to be people who don't want to adopt other people's language. So if you are, if you are a man and you wanted to marry a Luo, a Luo lady, uh, it will be difficult for that Luo lady to accept your language. And in the end, if you, you, are, you happen to have kids, just expect that those kids will be taught the language of the mother, the Luo uh, language it is. And this is how also the Suba people who are Bantus, their language vanished from the, <laughs> from the face of Kenya. The Suba people don't have their language. They are speaking, their, their current mother tongue is Luo. And this is so painful to the Suba people. I'm sorry for you. And 
this is attributed largely because of uh, their mother or their ancestral mother who is a Luo or who is from Luo. And so she could not adapt to the language of the husband. And in this case, it could be, it could have sounded closely to the Luya language or the Buganda language. Yeah, the Bantu, that Bantu language. And as you know, the Suba, the father of the Suba, it's believed that he was escaping from certain thing he had done in the Buganda kingdom. So he happened to escape and come uh, and cross the Lake Victoria and hide somewhere. And so by hiding, he happened to meet a Luo lady and then they married and later had children and these children by bad luck or good luck they don't speak the suba language however what i congratulate the suba people is that uh, they 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 continue practicing their culture despite that uh, influence from the luo culture which is predominantly evident in that uh, part of re, uh, part of uh, the lake where the suba and the luo meets yeah so back to this uh, topic we continue to look at the verses in the bible uh, about this interfaith marriage also you find that uh, in the verse or in numbers in Numbers, uh, there is a story about Moses uh, marrying an Ethiopian woman and and his brother and sister, so this is Aaron and Miriam, they started feeling jealous about uh, or they were annoyed at, I would say that they were annoyed or jealous about Moses marrying from outside the Israelite culture or marrying outside the yeah the Israelite tribe and so Miriam and Aaron they tried to, to talk bad about this issue however you find that Miriam got punished for for insulting the servant of God and she was inflicted with leprosy However, his brother Moses decided to intercede after Aaron uh, requested for, for pardoning of Miriam. So Moses decided to intercede with God on this matter. And after seven days, Miriam's leprosy was cured. Also, you find that even before the incident of Moses, Joseph, who was the governor of Egypt and we know that Joseph was the son to Jacob who Jacob is the father of the Israelites so Joseph married an Egyptian and according to their customs it was that the the Israelites were to marry from within their community and not from outside but you find that Joseph did marry from outside they are outside his uh, tribe. Also, 
I don't know. Some people would say that marrying, like Jennifer says, that marrying outside Christianity is like uh, you you are you are putting yourself in danger because you are marrying an unbeliever. And we have seen in First Corinthians, and which verse was it? It was First Corinthians chapter seven, verse thirteen. Yeah, where Paul allows for intermarriage between a believer and an unbeliever. And so there are many other incidences. You find that Ruth, who happens to be the, she's the great, yeah, the great grandmother to David, King David. Ruth herself comes from the tribe of the Moabites. And we know through that story, Ruth, uh, Ruth's husband was Naomi's son, and after, and Naomi had two sons who had married, to who had married Moabites, and after the their death, Naomi decided to go back to her own country because uh, her departure from her own country was because of drought, and now after the she had heard that uh, drought. Or the, there was rain and there was surplus of food in her own country. She decided to go back, and one of her daughters-in-law, who is Ruth, decided to follow her back to to Israel. So there, she was adopted by an Israelite, who is not Naomi's son, but after this. A uh, man, his name, I think, is Boaz, who had, uh, who decided that she, that he will take Ruth. Then later on, God uh, blessed them with a child, and the child was named Obed. And then Obed, who happens to be David's grandfather, gave birth to Jesse, and then Jesse, from Jesse, it came to David. So you find that. Uh, Ruth, who is the great-grandmother to David, is not an Israelite. She is an outsider. However, God allowed that. So I don't find it uh, anywhere where it, it really or it entirely prohibits intermarriage between the two uh, type of religions. Because most of the times you've happened to find that they restrict largely because if it happens that you are a minority in a certain area, like let's say in India, uh, the Christians would would uh, really need to marry only from their faith so that their population does not decline. Even in Pakistan, in Palestine, and sometimes here in North Africa, you happen to find some small minority of Christians in those countries like Tunisia, Egypt, and the rest. So I really think uh, this issue about interfaith marriage between a Christian and a non-Christian is very open. Unlike in the Islam religion, where it entirely prohibits however i think their book 
maybe or maybe the interpreters of their book could be interpreting uh, differently like uh, i had uh, given you the voices of dr naik zarik and also it was abdul rahman hassan the two had different conf uh, different opinions on the matter however also dr shabir and imam hargay they they at some point uh, dr Sha dr shabir accepted interfaith marriage and also imam hargay who happens to be in a certain movement uh, where they allow for intermarriages and he said that it is a time bomb it is a ticking time bomb because the as we move on with time you happen to find that interfaith marriages now become something normal uh, and i also support him because in the past if you look at it in the past like like nehemiah in nehemiah chapter 13 he wanted the israelites to intermarry among themselves so that their community does not decline and become a minority among the foreign tribes that were living around them or among them also i think uh, that this is the same thing that was happening in the past in the Arabian Peninsula where uh, you find that something shocking is that the, the the Christianity or the Christian religion was first preached in Arabia and I think after some fights here and there the, the Christians were were overthrown from power i think the exums who are ethiopians who are removed from power and they had to run for their lives and so you happen to find that now the arabs after their own arab who is their prophet muhammad came with a new a new religion that is the one that these arabians according to me I think they accepted Islam because uh, it was brought by someone of their own. And I think they rejected Christianity also because of that. However, that's a, a discussion of another time. And back to this uh, matter, I find that uh, my reason for the arabs or the yeah because most muslims or the muslim religion comes from the arabian culture and so at that time they were emphasizing not to marry not to marry their daughters outside islam so that to protect their their people and their population also because if their daughters were to be married off outside islam the, the their daughters will be giving birth to children of other religion or tribes and so the islam community will, will get smaller 
now i think uh this this norm or this uh issue they still continue to emphasize it uh because of the i think because of the the some think that islam and christianity are in competition and so they choose not to allow interfaith marriages however you've seen from the verses i have quoted uh, i've tried my best to quote uh, the available verses on the bible about interfaith marriages between a christian and a non-christian and at some time you find that the quran it says a believer and an unbeliever and you have seen that in the christian book which is the bible paul says that if a woman a woman is allowed to marry an unbelieving husband and also at some times you happen to find that jesus decided to mingle with sinners and people were especially the pharisees they got angry about these incidents uh, they didn't uh, think that the messiah could mix or interact with the sinners and the tax collectors and you can find this uh, particular story on mark chapter 2 verse 15 to 17 where jesus in he was in uh, levi's house who is matthew and then the tax collectors were also present and also as the pharisees said the sinners were also there and jesus shared the table with them and also they chatted together but the pharisees did not like this but jesus said he did not come for the righteous but he came for the sinners so that they could repent their sins so that uh, jesus could change the lives of the sinners and that was the purpose of jesus to come here on earth so on this context i think if you are a christian and listening to this uh, podcast or this episode i'm inviting you to read uh, mark chapter 2 verse 15 to 17 and also first corinthians chapter 7 verse 13 and also you can just go on uh, on and, and and read numbers i think it's chapter 12 or something there where the story about miriam and aaron arguing or, or questioning about moses wife wife uh, who he, who is of uh, the ethiopian descent you can check on that so it's numbers and i guess it's chapter 12 and mark chapter 2 verse 15 and to 17 about jesus interacting with sinners and converting sinners into uh, good people or righteousness and as jennifer in that previous article that i had read she had mentioned that she does not believe that uh, a marriage between a christian and a christian especially a muslim could work so i invite also jennifer if 
she is listening to this episode uh, to go and read Mark chapter 2 verse 15 and 17 and 1 Corinthians chapter 7 to 13 and come up to a conclusion about uh, this topic. So in conclusion I'd say that when it comes to Christianity if you are pastor or you are religious man a religious person who is of who is above you and who has this uh, deep understanding of the book i don't think he will allow or he will not allow you to to marry from another religion because jesus says here that he did not come for the righteous but for the sinners so if you are a christian and you believe that you are a believer also, Jesus gave you a mission that you, you can preach his good news to the people. And by intermarrying with that non-believer, you don't know if you are going to save that soul. And it will be well for you during that time, uh, the end times that Jesus talked about. So, also... If you don't like the idea of marrying from another faith, it's your option. No one is forcing you, just like Jesus did not force people to repent. Yeah, so it's your option. You are not forced to do do something. However, you should know that you should uh, ensure that whatever you do, you don't you don't do it to harm or to make God angry, just do it and make it pleasant in the eyes of God. And so I'd appreciate if you, it will be good if we intermarried so that we also, if we as Christians intermarried with other people who are not Christians, we may we may change the perspective of that person about who God is. We may bring some sense to them. Uh, yeah, and so on. Let's not be like uh, the rock which does not change unless it is broken. Let's be firm or be flexible with, the, with this idea and appreciate another, another... This could be also... Don't take it as a challenge, but this could be a task for you to ensure that you get uh, these non-believers to become believers. And so I like to leave it at that. I don't want to take much of your time. Also, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, thank you so much for uh, stopping by and listening to me talking to you and I'd appreciate if you have any views or comments you can share them via the send your voice message button if you are listening to this podcast via Spotify and if you are listening it via any other podcasting platform like Google Podcasts Listen notes, 
iHeart Radio, Radio Public, and so on. The button could not be there, but just below the description of the episode, you will find the link there that says send voice message. And you can send in your voice message, which I can share them or post pin them on the on this episode of this podcast. So thank you for listening and let's continue with this discussion. Let it not just end here. If you have different views, let's continue uh, to discuss about it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Insight with Ambundo Kennedy. If you have any comments or queries, you can send them via the send voice message. I'd appreciate if you followed us on Spotify so that you can continue with this discussion. However, you're also invited to follow us on other podcasting platforms like Google Podcast, Listen Notes, and many more. Thank you for listening. Until next time.